Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Brewer Magazine, the podcast. I'm your host and the publisher of Brewer Magazine, Tyler Montgomery. This episode is brought to you by PackTech, which delivers the highest quality and most environmentally responsive packaging handles to the craft beer industry. PackTech handles are made from 100% post-consumer recycled material and are repurposed from milk jugs and similar containers and are also recyclable. Their easy-to-carry and removable handles feature a minimalistic design that perfectly complement your beverage artwork, eliminating the need for secondary packaging. In this episode, our editor John Seacott catches up with Drew Watson. Watson is one of Denver's most revered beer buyers. Hops and Pie, his pizza place and craft beer bar, purchased nearly 700 different kegs in 2018 and put on tap takeovers from Trillium Brewing, Casey Brewing and Blending, and other highly sought after breweries. John and Watson chat about how they came to being, his thoughts on the industry as a beer buyer and what he thought of 2018 and what he hopes to see in 2019. John believed that this would be somewhat of a more different interview than what we've looked at in the past, and it clearly is. Understanding from the purchasing from an actual beer buyer as opposed to the consumer and as opposed to what we would typically interview, maybe a sales rep or somebody inside the brewery, understanding what the actual beer buyer that owns the location that your beer is being distributed to, that can be crucial to how you think about the future of your own brewing business and can be vital to sharing with your sales reps all across the country, whether you're a regional brewery, national brewery, or just distributing locally. I hope you enjoy the John and Watson's insights. Kick back, grab you a pint, really enjoy this interview. Cheers. We're working on our ninth year. Um, my wife and business partner, Leah, and I started it in uh, 2010. Um, we were living in San Diego. Um, she was food and beverage director at a country club, and I was a uh, chef of a fine dining restaurant. Um, and we lived in Escondido. Um, so, you know, Highway 78 was right there. And, you know, we were Green Flash, Stone, Lost Abbey, Port, like all these great spots were within mm-hmm. a mile of where we lived. We actually wrote our business plan in the tasting room of Stone. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so it, it, we just... We were wine people before that, you know, because we had cooked in Napa and Sonoma before we moved to Southern California. And uh, Leah even has her her, uh, wine degree from uh, Greystone. So that was really kind of the world we were in. But um, we got kind of just blindsided by craft beer and fell in love with it, like, immediately. Um, And, you know... She was doing her thing. I was doing my thing. We, We didn't see each other much. And, you know, our plan always was to open our own place together um you know one day we just decided let's um let's open a pizza and beer joint and uh, we started working on a business plan and figuring out where we wanted to do it and her brothers both lived here in denver um so we visited uh, a fair amount of times and um her brother luke lived in the highlands and we kind of fell in love with that neighborhood um, you know, it was before it um, has changed to what it is today. It was a um, definitely a little, a little less built up, I guess. You know, sure. um, little Main Street strips and and whatever. Not all the condos and um, fancy new homes and what whatnot. 
Um, but we loved it because it reminded us kind of of uh, you know she's from Pennsylvania and I'm from Massachusetts. You know those little little um, commercial districts amongst a neighborhood of homes. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know uh, we looked for a spot for gosh March April May. We looked for a spot for three or four months and we weren't finding anything. Um, and uh, it was t- it was hard on us because you know we moved here to do this and we just couldn't find the right thing. And, and we were out for a walk one afternoon not even looking, and we walked by our current space, and we're like, that's it. We just looked at the front of the building, and it was an art gallery then. It was just an empty hallway. Um, And we said that's the place, and, you know, we contacted the landlord and all that stuff and uh, opened up, and, you know, we were were living there. (laughs) You know, I used to, (laughs) after we would close, I would would sleep on the floor in the front of the house while we uh, would... um, you know, clean up the bar area and and uh, do the books and close out the day. And, you know, we do it all again the next day and the next day and the next day. And it was like that for about four years. You know, we never wow. we never really left. Uh, it was all day, every day. And, um, you know, craft beer was not in its infancy, but it was just starting to take off. You know, people mm-hmm. were getting into it. Um, you know, in, in our very early days, you know, it was there wasn't much for the neighborhood brewery. It was, you know... Avery, Left Hand, um, Oscar Blues, uh, you know, bigger regional sort of sure. sort of breweries, you know, and there were, and the neighborhood brewery was starting to occasionally pop up uh, here and there, and um, and <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, that really helped, you know, because as they came around, it helped get people into craft beer, you know. And then they would come seeking those beers because we would in any brewery that opened up, we were immediately, you know, um, um, fans. We were in there talking to them, befriending the brewers and the taproom managers and all that stuff, and um, you know, trying to build relationships. Um, actually, that kind of naturally uh, that wasn't our goal. We were there for the beer, right? And then these relationships mm-hmm. naturally <laughs> formed. Sure. Um, and uh, we were also serving a lot of beer from Southern California and Northern California and really anywhere, you know, because we were, we were so focused on trying to get in front of people what they may not be aware of mm-hmm. instead of, instead of um, you know, putting Dale's Pale Ale or, or Milk Stout or those kind of beers in front. And there's nothing wrong with those beers, but we were really trying to help or work with or serve beers that we believed in from like-minded mm-hmm. people, people who would put their whole lives on the line to open a brewery because um, we put our whole lives on the line to open our shop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really important to us to seek out that kind of thing. Has that, has that changed, that mentality for you guys? I mean, there's so much out there now. It's almost got to be a headache just to try to even, you know, because there are so many like-minded people like you now and being able to, you know, cater to them and be able to, uh, get all these taps out here. You can only have so many taps in, in, in a facility, right? Right. And, you know, there's a definitely a too many, in my opinion, though, mm-hmm. for us. Um, you know, you have, for us, we have 20 to 30 taps on any given day. Um, and, and our mentality hasn't really changed. You know, we are still constantly trying to find something that's undiscovered. Or not undiscovered, but maybe not not out there for because we're we're our place is two different businesses, right? We're a we're a pizza shop, neighborhood restaurant, scratch food. You know that's part of our business. So we have a lot of people that come in just to eat, and they're like, oh, 
nice beer list. I'll get a beer too. So we get to get <clears throat> these um, either newer or not yet discovered or or even sometimes some breweries who are only interested in being a neighborhood brewery and and we'll you know be like come on guys give us a keg and you know so we'll be able we'll be able to get beer in front of people who wouldn't otherwise be looking for it mm-hmm. um which is great uh and then the other side is you know we we are fortunate enough to um you know a lot of our customers are you know real beer geeks they really are interested and they kind of you know look to us to to help them try things they've maybe read about but haven't yet gotten to try you know mm-hmm. um, so we've tried to keep that in place that mentality of of um, of discovery right sure. now you, you talk about building relationship and you know being able to talk to some of these people uh what kind of you know how has that developed for you obviously there's a lot more people that you're having to deal with uh a lot more research now again you know, finding those beers, finding those breweries that uh, maybe need, you know, or want that uh, type of platform. How how do you go about, uh, you know, kind of developing, uh, you know, your tap list? Um, it's uh, it's kind of an animal of its own, right? Like, um, you know, having been immersed in it for, you know, just about nine years now, it's not, uh, it's just kind of, these are conversations I'm having. You know, it's not work. I'm, I am a beer geek. Like, mm-hmm. you you know, it's part of who I am. Um, so I'm naturally interested. You know, it's not work for me to, to call up one of my brewer pals and be like, hey, man, what are you drinking these days? You know, what's what's in your fridge or whatever? You know, those are just conversations we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and so it just, it's just part of the routine, right? Uh, you know, I, I read a lot of, stuff online because I'm interested, not because I have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always talking to the, the beer geek or the, the brewery owner or, you know, somebody who's just new into beer, you know, because they're so excited. It's a great conversation to have. Sure. Um, and I try a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't worth sharing, but there's even more that is, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, Take me through, uh, through your thought process then of some of these. There have been a lot of new developments, a lot of different styles that have been kind of, you know, throw it against the wall and see if it dick. Um, how do you, you know, you you want to be able to put your best foot forward. Are there times that you have to tell people this isn't something that I'm going to put on for you? I mean, is that a hard conversation to have? It's a really hard conversation because as a career chef, right, like I know what it's like when somebody eats something that, you know, I've thought about, I've made and I put in front of them. They're like, I don't like this. You know, that hurts, right? Mm -hmm. So a brewer is the same guy, you know, it's going to make them feel the same way. Um, So those conversations, it's absolutely conversations I've had and they're they're so hard and I I try not to, you know, I try to approach it, um, in a, as non-malicious way as I can because it's, it's really hard to hear that, you know? And I try and be objective, too. I'm, I'm never like, do I like this? Right. You know, I have to think about, more importantly, is this a good beer? Because we all have different tastes, mm-hmm. right? Um, just because you like something, you're like, hey, Drew, you gotta try this. And I try it, and I'm like, man, I don't like this. I still have to be objective as a beer buyer, but do other people like it, you know? And that's a, that's, that's easy to forget sometimes, mm-hmm. and I constantly have to remind myself of that, you know? Well, and you have to also think, will it sell? I mean, something can sell once, but can it sell two or three times to the same person? And will they come back to, you know, try that maybe in the next few days after that? That has to be something that weighs on your mind as well. I mean, you you know, it, or how much of it is, a six or a half or, you know, how many you know times you're going to be able yeah. to rotate that. You know, in our system is unique. I keep most of our um, drafts at Sixthal mm-hmm. um, for the reason of uh, being able to change, right? Um, our half barrels are typically our static beers, you know, uh, beer starts, slow pour, Pilsner. That's always on. That's always a half barrel. Uh, Juicy Banger, always on. That's a half barrel. Um, Superpowers on most of the time. Great beer, half barrel.
barrel. You know, so I keep my static lines at half barrel. Um, and then the other, you know, 16 or so are going to be six tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and just always going to be something different, trying to find something new. And it doesn't mean they won't repeat from time to time, you know, but I may, if somebody, if I'm hearing from the regular crowd that, hey, we loved this beer. All right, then I'll, then I'll grab a half barrel of it, put that on, maybe keep it on for a few weeks. Sure. But um, seldom is it my motive to find something that I can keep on. Because that's just, you know, since day one, it's never been a part of our, our plan. And I used to get a lot, a lot of um, pushback from a lot of breweries because of that. You know, this is never going to work. This is a terrible idea. Why would you do that? <laughs> and I remember these conversations because I was, you know, working all day, every day, and I'm getting this feedback from uh, uh, people who I believe in. I want to support in there and tell me, you know, a terrible idea. Rotating is never going to never gonna be a thing. And, and now it's more of a thing than 30 static lines, you know. Sure. Was there stuff that surprised you from 2018, maybe going in that you didn't think was going to be a thing and has become a thing or hopefully a thing that maybe will go away in your mind? Always, you know, yeah. always. There's beers that surprise me um, because maybe I like them. There's beers that surprise me because maybe I don't like them and I don't think they're a good beer and people love them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's styles that shock me, you know, and, and there's and there's stuff you can see that um, like a style, we'll take Brewed IPA just as an example because it was one of those styles that has come and gone, um, you know, in, in, in our shop. Now, I know it's still going strong in other shops, uh, but for us, in a in a real good, in a, or not a good indicator, but something that's always been interesting to me is um, once you see the larger regional breweries pick up on a on a trend that perhaps the neighborhood or some of those really esoteric like breweries are always trying to push the envelope and do something different, you know, maybe put out there first, and then you know it's been around for four or five months, and you see the larger regional breweries pick it up, then it's already to that point where I can't sell that style anymore, sure, because the uh, you know the 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 beer nerds have moved on. Um, so yeah, there's you know there's there was the milkshake craze over the summer that came and went, uh, the brute craze, you know, the hazy craze, which people thought would be a flash in a pan, but it's still still growing strong, you know, mm-hmm. as all the, the larger regional breweries have picked up on it now. Um, but I'm still I'm still pouring quite a bit of it and pretty quick as well. Sure. And IPA in general, as a, an overall style, uh, has just been king for seemingly a decade now, maybe maybe a little less. Yeah, um, absolutely. Has it lost momentum? But, you know, looking at numbers, no. uh, is it, is no. it going to keep going? up stay the same um I think it. I think it will because you know how could I say otherwise, right? Because it has never lost momentum in my time. Now it has changed. The face of it has changed. You know, um, we've gone from you know a malty with a light hot profile in the early days, right, to West Coast style, which is uh, you know really chewy and green with uh, uh, you know lighter malts, uh, to fruit bombs, to hazy. You know, it's it's always there, but it's always changing. Mm-hmm. You know. And and you have your your standards, right? Um, Modus is still there doing its thing. That beer's been around, I think, about ten years now, right? Yeah. Uh, Two Hearted from Bells. That's another one that's you know it's just not going anywhere. Uh, Lagunitas, you know, there's 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 some that just they have their supporters and they're never going to waver, which is great. And then and those folks who are drinking those still still get on board with the newer whatever the uh, the new IPA trend is. You know, over the years, you know, I remember what about 2013, 14 barrel aged beers. All anybody wanted. You you know, like 10% barrel-aged beers. I, I, they'd be, the keg would kick in one day. Um, and that kind of, you know, intruded on IPA for a bit. Sours intruded on IPA for a bit. Um, but it always, you know, they always fade and IPA is still there. Yep. Still doing its thing. Just pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, deep down, I'm a hophead. I, that's what got sure. me into it. Mm-hmm. And, and a like lot I of said, I wrote our business plan at Stone. <laughs> you know, they were the <laughs> one of the pioneers of, of ridiculously hoppy beer. Right. Well, let's look a little bit about, you know, the one thing that a lot of breweries like do to kind of introduce themselves either to a market
market um, or maybe just a, you know, a, a smaller brewery that wants to make a splash. Uh, do you guys do a lot with tap takeovers and how do you set them up? How do you deal with maybe the, uh, the brewery that it wants to do this? You know, so what's some insights that you, that you give to them, especially if it's maybe their first rodeo? Um, gosh, it really depends on a lot of, a lot of variables, right? Am I doing a style takeover? You know, am I doing IPA fast or sour fast or, or, you know, we have one this weekend with OG Wales, you know, the original beers that you waited in line for uh, uh-huh. 10 years ago that kind of started this whole thing? Um, or is it a brewery specific? And for me to do a brewery specific, personally, um, it's got to it's gotta have a splash, you know, either a beer, a specific beer that you know people wait in line for, or mm-hmm. a brewery that's out of market that people otherwise cannot get. Um, so those are, th- that's kind of my criteria. You know, you yeah. got you got to have a splash or, well, a splash either way. It, it, you know, if it's a style-oriented um, festival, it's going to be, you know, all sour beers that you otherwise can't get your hands on um, or that are only, uh, or if it's an IPA one, you know, same deal. I'm going to really work the Rolodex on that. Call everybody I know mm-hmm. um, to try and get, maybe they were only pouring this in their tap room. Or maybe, you know, in some of these cases uh, for sp- style-specific festivals, we'll do four or five collaborations with different breweries that we're, we're you know, um, very friendly with and whom we really believe in their skill set. Uh, so it's really going to, you know, just to put five beers on from somebody that you can buy any of those beers, mm-hmm. you know, what's the point? Why would you do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned But in the a- same breath, if, if one of my brewery pals comes to me and is like, hey, man, you know, we're trying we're trying to get this beer out there. You mind pouring it for me? I say, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. We'll keep it keep it on for a month because when I call him and I'm like, hey, you know that beer that you only have two kegs of? Really love one. And they say, okay, you know, you got you to gotta support your pals. Sure, sure. You talked about, you know, bringing in a brewery that maybe uh, isn't in the area normally. Um, is there anything to work through distribution law-wise? Um, how, how, is that a absolutely one-off? What, what do you have to do on your end to be able to make that happen? You know, um, I'll call my uh, my friends that I've worked with at possibly, um, you know, uh, Crooked Stave has their own distribution company. They like to do a lot with, um, you know, small local breweries. Um, mm-hmm. Or uh, True Brewing also has a distro license, and they do a lot of that kind of thing. Um, Elite uh, Distribution will do that kind of thing, you know. But it is a process, and, you know, because I've been doing it long enough that, um, you know, the guys in charge now used to be my street rep like eight or nine years ago. <laughs> um, so I can call them and be like, hey, I'm going to reach out to this brewery. Uh, if they're on board, would you be willing to, you know, go through the paperwork and whatnot to be able to legally bring them into state? You know, and sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. And, um, you know, but we, over the years, we've been able to do some really, really great stuff because of that. Sure. Any, any success stories, things that you, you know, you've been really proud of being able to uh, do and uh, came off sure. know, very successfully? Sure, absolutely. You know, um, uh, let's see, this past year, we were able to um, bring in 10 kegs from Trilly, Trillium Brewing out of, uh, out of Boston earlier this year, or, or later last year, I guess it was November or October, something like that. We were able to um, bring in 10 kegs from Trillium Brewing. You know, that was a lot of different relationships working out there. Uh, their executive chef is an old friend of mine from because I'm originally from Massachusetts. And mm. so I reached out to him. He reached out to his bosses. Then we reached out to a local distribution company and, you know, everything fell into place and we were able to do that. Um, and, you know, it's similar things to that over the years that we've been able to do. But let, you know, let's look ahead to 2019 here. Are there things changing already? Obviously, we can't predict future, but are there things that you see, things that you're trying, things maybe you've talked to some people in the industry?
industry that they're working on that you're really excited for? Um, you know, people ask me questions like that a lot, and that's an impossible question for me yep. to answer, kind of. Uh, it's more just, like, really paying attention. Like, what's happening right now? Um, sure. Who's making what? What's being poured where? What are people talking about on various blogs or uh, online communities? You know, what? And this is always a slow time of year for beer, mm-hmm. um, just generally speaking, you know, because uh, February stout month and, you know, dark beers. And it, it's just they're kind of regrouping after the holidays, right? Yeah. Um, getting ready for the spring when beer just goes crazy. It doesn't mean there's not great stuff going on, um, but you know, I I I, don't, I definitely don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> I wish I did, <laughs> but I just pay attention. Um, I just pay attention to what people are saying um, and what I read, and when I'm out visiting breweries and, and other beer bars, what I see. Um, I really listen to people when I'm talking to them. I, you know, I'm never able to answer that question. I, I wish I could. You know, I could make something up, and tell you I have this great process, but it's really sure. just paying attention. 